Hello and welcome to Comic Book Junto, episode number two. I'm Octavius A. Newman. And with me I have Adam Tedderis. Adam J. Tedderis. Adam J. Tedderis. We're doing the middle initial thing. I forgot about that. Adam Jedi Tedderis. Yes, Adam Jedi Tedderis. Uh, although, since we're not talking about Star Wars so much this time, I think it's Adam... Uh, I can't come up with a good J. Jeremiah? No, I'm just going to back, just gonna just gonna back up off this gag. This, <laughs> this is not going to be in every episode. It could be a situation where every episode, <laughs> you know, there's a new J. New middle initial. De- Je- Jester, because we got some goofs and gags for you this time. Ah, uh, no, this is it. No, no. <laughs> it's no. like, you know what? I can't commit to this. You nope. know? But yeah, I, it doesn't matter. I'm here. What up? What's up, man? How's the week been so far? It's been nice. Um, this is a tough week. It, coming back from the holidays, getting back into work, trying to pretend that you know you didn't just lose two weeks of productivity. Yeah, is uh, I think it's a little difficult. So I'm um, I'm trying to make sure that I I, I got my wheels on the ground, get mm-hmm. some traction. I'm 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 going full steam ahead. But it's nice to be back here having a conversation with you because we missed a week. Yep. I mean, yeah. we did, but you know, the holidays. You got to spend time with the family. Comic books aren't everything. Geek culture is not everything. No, I mean, I mean, maybe. It's, I mean, it's kind of. <laughs> maybe, I mean, you can, you can weave it in, but then, then you're the weird guy. Did you get a, did you, did you, first of all, did you have a nice holiday? I did. Christmas was good. Um, the New Year's was good. We were going to have a New Year's party, but my wife and I got sick, so we had to hold off on that. Oh, no. But we're back, so it's all good. No, um, that's good to hear. I'm happy to hear that. Did you get geeky gifts? You do like a Christmas thing, and okay, are you difficult to buy for? Do people understand you? So I did get a geeky gift. What is this? A geeky gift, and funny enough, I got it from my mother-in-law. Okay. Uh, my mother-in-law gave me a, and you can just tell when someone's like, oh, you like comics? Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And they kind of just get any old generic comic book thing. And then it's like, yo, man, I appreciate you did this because I knew I, I know you specifically saw this and thought about me. Yes. Because there's no other reason why you'd be anywhere close to buying something like because this. Because <laughs> this is not traditionally part of your world. No, no. Yeah. So she nice. she got me a wallet, like a Marvel Comics wallet and a okay. Marvel Comics like money clip. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You got a, yeah. a wallet and a money clip. Hey, listen, she went all out. Is this when, uh, but I thought this was like an either or situation. Like you either use a wallet or you use a money clip. <laughs> I really don't I don't understand. It came in the same package. So I guess it was just like, you know what? We're going to give you both. Use one or the other. <laughs> okay. Depends on how much, you, how hard you want to stunt. May, you know, maybe yeah. you're at a comic convention and it's cash only, you know, <laughs> yeah. and you just want to keep your wad of money together. Or so, maybe you're out and about at the comic shop. And you just want to swipe real quick. You know, she's like, oh, Octavius, the, 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 the money clip is if you got 10 bands, the wallets, uh-huh. if you got 50 bands. And if and, you got a hundred bands, <laughs> and the rubber band is if you got a hundred bands, yeah. right? Right. Oh, that's really thoughtful. So, so she gets it. I like that a lot. 
<laughs> like that a and lot. I, it just seemed like I, that seemed like a very political gift. You're like, I'm giving you a clip and a wallet, and you need to figure it out. You got to You got choose choose this day your destiny. <laughs> that's cool. I well, so that's. I, I wanted to ask you that because I've had a situation where the mother of someone that I was dating uh, mm-hmm. had pegged me as a as a geek accurately, mm-hmm. and right. uh, basically we they just fig- kind of found you out. They figured me out. They know, and they uh, they try as hard as they can to like I don't know accommodate that as far as gift mm-hmm. giving goes. Right. And, which I appreciate. And what you said about, you know, having somebody be out and then see something and, and think of you, that's very nice. It's very considerate. Yes. However, uh, I was pegged at the time as being like world's biggest Spider-Man fan, I guess, because according, according to my then girlfriend's mother, I was the world's right. biggest Spider-Man fan. Anything Spider-Man, I had to have how, Now, how did she... Th- this sounds so funny to me. How did she arrive there? Is this a situation where she decided you were the world's <laughs> biggest Spider-Man fan? You she know just, what? You probably like Spider-Man. Yes. You're probably the world's biggest Spider-Man fan. You're like, I didn't say any of those things, but yes. let's go with it. Yes, but the, and, and that's just it. And, and in my mind, I'm saying, I didn't say any of those things. <laughs> but I'm, what, I'm, what I'm saying out loud is, you got me. You, that's it. You know. <laughs> oh, my God. And it would be oh, some like, really man. ridiculous stuff. Like, uh, um, I remember uh, she gave me like a... A board game of some variety in which Spider-Man fights like Green Goblin and Sandman, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going on here. On a and board game, up, yeah, and also gave me like a Spider-Man sticker sheet and a Spider-Man puzzle. I, it was like anything that said wow. Spider-Man, you just grab it up, and wow. and that was difficult for me because I had to deal with the fact that you know, she was she was being very kind. She was the type right. of person who shows her affection through gift giving. Uh, but she was giving me all this stuff that I'm like, I mean, yes, I do like Spidey, but dang, like he's not, that's not my thing. Like I, they didn't have a man thing board game. Really? I was about to say Mom? it'd be different. It was all man thing. Then <laughs> she'd be been like, t- it would be different. Be be very like, different you have, you have me, what you need to, you need to, you need to snow shovel. What you need from me? You know what I mean? But that's the grass thing. cut. That's the thing with comics. Like my my mom and dad are are in a similar state. My my mom and dad would never be able to get me a man thing, uh, accoutrement. They they don't know mm-hmm. where to. They they can't search the dark web for that. First and of all, so man thing is not something that a lot of people are going to even know about, let alone get a hold of a lot of merchandise for. And I understand. I'm familiar with this. I understand that. That's probably a very large portion as to like why I have such a strong affection for that character yeah. but but it can't be accommodated so instead uh my mom and dad is like captain america's on this this is for you i'm like okay i'm not mad at that it's just more of like i when i put on that captain america shirt and i see mm-hmm. like somebody like you or i walk into a comic shop or something i have this like little bone in my body that says i gotta explain to somebody this is not my favorite guy <laughs> oh, right, right. You feel this responsibility to go. Okay, look. I know I have this on, but listen. Yeah, <laughs> it's not really about this, as far as I'm concerned. Yes. I'm a. I, I'll allow this. Yeah, and I'm cool with this. But if I had my druthers, as my grandpa would say, yes, if I had my druthers, it would be man thing. Exactly, exactly. I'm 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 in a comic shop and I'm like, 
Um, this is more of a cultural totem rather than a particular affection for this one character. I just want you to know that. I know you didn't ask me, but I just want you to know that like right off before the Before we even get started, before we get started, before we start on this pathway that we're going, I'm a man thing guy. Okay? It's true. Just understand that. I don't care. I'm knows. a Batman guy, so I mean, there's a lot more of us out there. That's true. I mean, people, got, people got Batman tattoos and all kinds of stuff. That's true. You know, uh, my birthday is tomorrow. And I heard. That's I'm, what the word on the street told me. I'm thinking on getting a new tattoo. And maybe it's Batman? Man. No. Maybe it's Man Thing. Maybe? Like, there's, a, there's an artist who did a, a Valentine's Day card, and it's Man Thing with hearts in his eyes. And it says, my Man Thing burns for your touch. <laughs> How about that? <laughs> Wait a minute, that's not supposed to be that funny to me. <laughs> no, <Yeah. laughs> no. But uh, I mean, I'm saying I like it. Oh uh, man, that was great. It's <laughs> good. I like it. That is funny. As I I uh, I envy the ingenuity of whoever made that. That's very smart. Like that, that person's got a little uh, got a little wittiness there. It's a little salacious. Yeah, a little bit, but it's still funny. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like. Those kind of jokes aren't funny to me. Some let me let me uh, let me throw this at you. Uh-huh. Um, have you been reading about Philadelphia's uh, newest comic book shop, Amalgam Comics and Coffee? Yes, yes, yeah. And it's been really encouraging to see. Okay, speaking of people who know you as a geek, you don't know how many people have sent me that article and go cool right it's like because oh people, no like i'm the i'm the one geek friend they have or the person who like claims it you know very heavily so sure. i've gotten a lot of those and i'm like yo man it's so cool i can't wait to go there but you're also you're also a a black person and so i feel yes. like there's potential for somebody to to send that over to you be like octavius my black friend what's up man this is cool right i think it's cool it is cool though, and I mean, you it's know, cool. at the end of the day, she's the first woman to. Is she the first woman or first black woman? I believe she is. I mean, it's it's hard to say, but the I know the thing that is Maybe being both celebrated. The same. the the the, uh, the statement is she is the first woman of color to own a comic book shop, at least on the East Coast. Yeah, that's huge. Which is that's huge. Awesome. That's major. Awesome idea too. Comics and coffee. Yeah. I agree. And, and uh, Ariel Ariel Johnson is the woman who uh, is behind this, and I know she's part of a big team, and she always uh, makes an effort to shout out her squad. But Ariel is kind of the driving force behind it. She is an absolute badass. The reason I bring this up is uh, Ariel is is also a very smart human being, and the name of this comic book shop is Amalgam. Mm-hmm. And Amalgam, I don't know if you know this was a uh was a a line of comics in the, Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh what? Uh late 90s, early aughts maybe. I think it was 90s. Yeah. Because this is when they basically did a mashup between um the two companies was it? Yeah, DC and Marvel. Yeah, I remember having like the they mashed up Batman and Wolverine was it, I think. Yes. Yeah, so they did yeah, some crazy some. stuff, and it was really cool. And Ariel's she blows my mind. She she calls the comic shop amalgam because you know as a word like the mixture of things that that right. works. There are a lot of things happening there. Comics and coffee. It's a mixture of two different industries, and and that's yeah. cool. But 
she called it amalgam, she says, because she liked that line of comics in the way that it, it took two very different universes and put them in the same place. And that, yes. so that's what she hopes to have take place in her shop. She yes. wants to have more than one universe converge. And I am so about that. That's so cool. Uh, the second and probably far more important detail here is uh, Man-Thing made his way to Amalgam. <laughs> and when Man-Thing was in there, he got smashed up with my favorite Batman character, Man-Bat. And so wait, he was... Wait, wait, wait. Hold yeah, on. Wait. Bat what happened thing, now? Bat-Thing bat existed. He was basically a big bat person, like like okay. rope, but also had the like tendrils like Man-Thing on his face. Uh, mm-hmm. So he was a little swampy in nature. Come on. Is this somebody in a costume? Like, what are you saying? No, he's no. just a dude. It was, uh, I think his name was Kirk Salas. as like a uh-huh. sign up to uh, Ted Salas and also Kirk. Uh, I can't remember the name of the scientist who became Man Bat. Anyway, ma- Bat Thing, give me a break. Uh-huh. Let's bring it back. I want Bat Thing to come back. Bat Thing yes. was a part of the Amalgam universe? Yes. Huh, I did not know that. It's true. And I'll tell you, I think few people knew that. <laughs> Nobody really talks about that. And I'm, you know what? I would like uh, some of uh, our political candidates uh, to, to bring this in the conversation a little more often. So you want to go, so Donald Trump, we've heard a lot about how you feel about many different topics. Yes. You want to build walls and all that kind of stuff. Um, sure, sure, We'd sure. like to know how you feel about that thing. What is your stance on bat thing tell me more yeah well you know he's a good guy he's a nice guy cool guy um you know very smart but me i'd do better if it was me uh you know i i don't know I i'm, get, I'm catching i'm catching I'm, I'm getting a waft of tony soprano on this yeah and I, I went i went gangster with it i, I liked didn't it. practice it i don't know i thought yeah. that was good though but and I, I do think right off the jump he would probably say it's a disaster I th- I'm pretty sure that would be his appraisal of uh, of bad of thing. Yeah, I don't want to care. I don't want to hear what Donald Trump has to say about anything. Yeah, so um, him. to bring this all the way back to the holidays, mom, dad, if you're listening, my birthday's tomorrow. I'm looking for some bat thing apparel. I know it's readily available and easy to find. So of course, give me some of that. Uh, <laughs> give me some of that. Give me 19- some of that bat like, thing. <laughs> that was you about to say. <laughs> give me some of that bat thing. It's circa 1997, whatever year it was. That oh came out. man, goodness. Yeah. Anyway, uh, really, I just wanted to shout out Ariel because I think that's very, very, very cool. And uh, I, I'm, I'm actually planning to go over to the shop uh, this weekend. So I'm, I'm going to hit you up if you want to go. Uh, it's over uh, you know, on Frankfurt in Kensington. It's on my list of things to do. I'm down to do that. Yes, please. So I was thinking we could talk about some of these news topics, some of the stuff that's going on in geekdom right now. There's a lot going on, and since the last time you and I talked, uh, man, we got movie announcements. We've got uh, mm-hmm. um, what Marvel just announced the release date for second season of Daredevil. Yes, Joe are you excited Jerry. about Daredevil season two? I am very excited about Daredevil season two. I'm, I thought Daredevil season one was one of the most spectacular superhero, like sh- live action superhero, anything. I yeah. loved it. I think it's one of my favorite things that Marvel has done cinematically or on film. I agree. Yeah. I mean, I, what was it, like 13 hours? 
Yeah, I to think unroll, so. Unveil a story, really good. And it makes now, sense. You know, I think they made a really very compelling case for comics moving over to a television series being yes. a much more effective way of storytelling than a movie. You can't crunch a lot of this stuff down into two hours, man. Huge point. Much more effective way to tell the story yes. than a two, two and a half hour movie. Being able to take the time. I mean, it's more like a comic book. Yeah. Every hour, you tell a little bit more of the story, a little bit more of the story, you leave an open loop, you close the loop, open a loop, close the loop, open a loop every episode, and then there's a payoff at the end. You know, and from the way you described it, the payoff is you've tied a shoe. You open the loop, and then, and that loop. You, you open that loop up, you close that loop. You and there you go. Shoe. And at the end of the day, you know, you done tied your shoes. <laughs> but um, I really think that I like this form of storytelling more. I love the movies. I'm going to be going to see all the movies they put out. I mean, yeah. they have money from me. Marvel's got my money. Whatever yes. they put out, I'm going to go see it. Without a doubt. But um, yeah, I, I'm I'm excited about season two. How do you feel about John Barenthal as the Punisher. I, I'm very into John Barenthal as the Punisher. I'm I'm excited to see the Punisher on screen, and also I'm a little bit nervous because the Punisher is a character that I like. I'm not. I never really know how I feel about that character. I think the people who like that character like really like that character fanatically, mm-hmm. and I think that it's it's an easy character to an easy character to misconstrue. Like I, I think there's more to when, when Frank Castle, the Punisher is done very well. There's more to him than just, you mean like Dolph Lundgren did? Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> uh, no, no. Fun fact. I believe that the Punisher that Dolph Lundgren did came out the same year as Batman, Michael Keaton. No, really? Wait, I, I think so. I'm pretty sure. Jeez. Okay, so case in point. The internet will correct me if I'm wrong. Case in point. It's Punisher's gone through a lot. Like cinematically, the Punisher has gone through a lot. And when Dolph Lundgren was the Punisher in what, 89? Uh it was a different telling the Punisher than we saw uh with who was who was in the the early 2000s? I don't even know the dude's name. Honestly. I can't think of the the guy's name, and and I should be able to think of it because he was he was not bad. He was you know he was I thought he was pretty good. I, I got to look it up like really really quick. Thomas Jane, uh, okay. Thomas Jane was good. Like he looked like the Punisher, but it was a really different take. And then they did Punisher Warzone. You got another actor, and it was a very different take. I didn't even see Punisher Warzone. You got to see Punisher Warzone, and beyond that, the, the, I I would say the reason to see Punisher Warzone. The number one reason is because The Punisher War Zone is the first ever rated R action movie directed by a woman. And, okay. And prior to that movie, the woman who directed that film had only done one other feature length film, which was like an indie romance. Mm hmm. Uh, which won, you know, awards from some independent film festivals. The woman's name is Lexi Alexander. She is an absolute hero of mine and she she got offered this like this role of doing the punisher war zone i'm going off on a tangent but it's okay go for it she got offered this role uh of doing punisher war zone being the director and she said no this doesn't make any sense for me thank you very much i'm not doing it and then somebody said hey you know if you did this you would be the first woman to ever do a a rated r action movie and she said, okay, let's do it. She's like, sign me up. She did a ton of research and found out 
why people really disliked the last bunch of Punisher movies. And a lot of the reasons were like, wasn't true to his character, wasn't violent enough, wasn't enough crazy action. She made this movie so balls to the wall, like batshit insane action heavy that even Punisher fans were like, you made that, there's too much action in this. This is too violent. You sold it for me. You sold it. It's un. I'm sold. I'm going to go, go find a way to see it now. Dominic West is in it. He's the main bad guy. He's the guy who plays uh, Officer McNulty in The Wire. Um, oh, really? Yeah. They, oh, man. I, they, watching that movie is an experience. There's a podcast called uh, Why Did This Get Made? Or How Did This Get Made? Uh, First of all, is it why did this get made or how did this get made? How did this get made? Uh, As in, like, who who signed off on this? Yes. Yes. And uh, sounds like an awesome podcast I think it's already. Paul Shear is the guy who does that podcast. It's a very, very funny podcast. They usually watch a movie and as a group ask that out loud and try to answer, like, how the hell did this get greenlit? And uh, they actually bring Lexi Alexander on to their show to ask mm-hmm. her story. And she is incredible. Patton Oswalt's on that episode. They, I listened to that episode of that podcast and it sold me uh, on the movie. And I do not regret that decision at all. So what, what if, what if we, <laughs> what if we go watch that movie and then do a one shot on it? One yeah. Shot episode? We, are you kidding? We should, we should mic ourselves up while, while we watch the movie. Do we, people want to listen to us basically do, do mystery science theater and for, for an hour and a half, two hours while we make comments on watching this movie? There's, um, there's no way that I don't want to do this. I want to do this. I, we, I want to do it, and I think it would be fun for us, but would it be fun for the internet? I believe it would be fun for the internet because it's, <laughs> it, of course, you know, like bringing Punisher Warzone to people uh, is, is a gift unto itself. Oh, um, okay. And, uh, so we're doing the internet a favor. I, I, it's true. That's true. The people who are not familiar with it need to know. I will say, you got to listen to that episode of How Did This Get Made? I will share that with you, and I'll, I'll put it into the, de- uh, the like description of this episode when okay. we publish this online, so people can listen in, in on that. Awesome. Uh, and you know, we'll decide whether or not we can do a better take, because they smash it out of the park. Having that uh, Lexi Alexander on the show itself talk about what was going through her mind when she made this insane movie, it's just like, that's gold. It is gold. But the, the point I'm trying to illustrate here is Punisher is uh-huh. a complicated character. I think he. Yes. I think uh, it, it seems like he's easy to understand. He's a killing machine. He's bent on vengeance. All he does is justice, no matter what, the, and no matter how that 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 happens. Right? Any means mm-hmm. necessary, justice must right. be served. But people have some really different interpretations of that and different portrayals of that, and that means that I'm a little bit nervous about that character entering into this daredevil universe that i i I thought was spectacular what about you i mean how do you feel about the character well i mean i don't really have a whole lot of experience with the punisher personally um i read the comic that that second to last punisher movie was based off of okay um which was crazy crazy violent so um I, I, I mean, like I said, I'm not the biggest Punisher fan, but I mean, Punisher's like, okay, this is cool. I can't even say I've read a whole lot of Punisher to have a whole lot of um, relationship with him. Yeah. But I do trust Marvel very much, and I'm glad that 
<clears throat> Marvel has a platform to be able to bring in darker characters and not lighten them up. Okay. You know? Yeah. And not go, oh, you know, nobody dies and everything's okay. And even the bad guys are kind of sweet in their bad guyness. And I'll get you, Spider-Man. You know what I mean? There's more yeah. than than just like the kind of Skeletor voice that makes you know this person's a bad guy or this person is, you know, I mean... If you haven't seen Daredevil, you know, when you watch it, you're going to see that this is not the Avengers. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, Kingpin is not Ultron. Like, he deals with things differently than, you know, some of the other villains that we've seen in these movies. So, if you're going to bring Punisher in, I think Hell's Kitchen, I think Netflix, Marvel Cinematic Universe is the place to do it. Mm -hmm. Where he can actually bring this dark menacing mean murderous you know twisted character in and actually do him justice so i think it's a i think it's a legitimate way to also create some conflict for daredevil as well that show doesn't pull any punches so i'm yeah i'm, I'm definitely no. I'm, I'm interested people in, die people die people die in, in is, they don't die in pretty ways no 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 and it's i'm, I'm interested in seeing matt murdoch daredevil go toe to toe with you know figuring out what what his brand of justice looks like and what he's willing to do and go up against Punisher and you know I'm versus not, Frank Cat versus Frank Castle's version of yeah um, yeah and I'm I'm yeah. I'm very eager to see that um so you would recommend uh, do you, can you can you come up with the name of uh the the run on Punisher that you read I can look it up real quick yeah um, While you do that, but, let me uh, let me toss this out. My favorite version of Punisher of all time was uh, Rick Remender in I think 2010 uh, wrote Frankencastle. Are you familiar with this? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Uh, Dark Reign was the event that was taking place in Marvel. Uh, Frank Castle is killed by Dakin. That's Wolverine's son. Okay. Uh, okay. He's chopped up into pieces. Because Dakin's crazy. Uh, he is uh, found by Morbius and the Legion of Monsters. Hmm. Now, why is that significant, Octavius? I'll tell you. Tell me more. The Legion of Monsters comprises of... Wait, I see where this is going. I, see, <laughs> I already see where this is going. Go ahead. Man-Thing, baby. That's Man-Thing. Uh-huh. That's man Of course. Thing. Internet, if you're just now figuring... <laughs> If you're just joining us, you are seeing that Adam is going to find a way yeah. to tie this back into Man Thing. All things tie back to Man Thing. Like, truly, all things tie back to Man Thing. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. And uh, Frankencastle was a, a spectacular, crazy, over the top, very funny take on Punisher, in which he is like a sewn together monster who joins the Legion of Monsters. And uh, one of my favorite Rick Remender comics. I love Rick Remender. He does great work for Marvel. He does great work for Image. Everything that guy touches is is good, uh, except for um, uh, some of his his uh, more recent Marvel work. Like when he was running, mm-hmm. he was writing Captain America when they made the switch over to Sam Wilson. And I, I oh, you weren't feeling that. I remember that. Yeah, when it, when it was winding down, I, it felt like you know Rick Remender did a very very excellent work for image and it felt like he was kind of uh, finishing a contract out for Marvel. So hmm. you could recognize a person who just didn't, you know, he didn't, he didn't have his, his 100% in there. Yeah. But Frank, that and Punisher Castle, book that, I, 
that Punisher book that I read is um, Welcome Back, Frank, written by Garth Ennis, and the art was by Steve Dillon. Okay. Oh, wow. Steve and that's actually, that's actually the comic that the movie um, that came out in 2004 was based off of. Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha. I, I need to know more about that. I, I, I got to up my up education as far as Punisher goes. Yeah. But so <clears throat> we were talking a little bit off air about this topic that I wanted to kind of discuss in depth. And I think the Punisher might be a good jumping off point. I agree. Um, something that I brought up was the whole idea of comics and good guys and bad guys. You know, a lot of what we see in comics is the good guy versus the bad guy, you know, Batman versus the Joker and, you know, Superman versus Lex Luthor. And, um, you know, even perfect example, professor X versus Magneto. Sure. Right. We see this whole idea of the good guys stand for good and the bad guys stand for bad. But my question is, what's a good guy? What's a bad guy? Like, how do we define these things and the stories that we're being told through these forms of literature? How does that inform how we see ourselves? Yeah. You know, because I know for me personally, that line is not as cut and dry as maybe a comic book might make it. I I guess, you know, I'm I'm interested in this conversation and you and I have had this conversation before and I I don't think there's ever a, a conclusion to it. You never really stop. There's, there's not a point in, in time where you're yeah, like, we don't ever kind of go, we it. figured it out. It's done. Uh, but, but what I'm most interested in is, well, what led you to even bring this up? Because it seems like it's, it's just sort of understood. Like, I'm, I'm looking at my stack right now. A-Force is on the top of my pool list. A-Force is an all-female, uh, basically Avengers squad, like an all-female superhero right, squad right. for Marvel. I'm looking at everybody on the cover, and I'm pretty sure every single character is a good guy. Done. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what, what brought you to have the question? Well, I think life brought me to have the question. Like real life brought me to have the question. Um, because when you ever, if you've ever been in an argument with somebody, if you've ever been in a disagreement with somebody, if you've ever um, not seen eye to eye with someone, most of the time you look at the situation like I'm the good guy. You're the bad guy. Okay. It's me versus you. And I guarantee you, a large majority of the time, through that person's eyes, guess who's the good guy? Of course. They're the good guy, and you're the bad guy. Yeah. And that started to make me think, who's a good guy? Like, how do you determine what good is? Because at the end of the day, everyone has these differing definitions. And if anything... We're all bad guys. You know, we're, we're all bad guys. There's nobody who's like this 100% good guy. And even when we looked at, remember that article that we shared um, about Mark Millar kind of being like, if you haven't seen the, you know, the Superman movie that was done by, um, wh- wh- what's the dude's name who did Zack Snyder. Uh, he did um, Zach Snyder. Man of Steel. Man of Steel, right. Um, and he's talking about how Superman was so dark and there's things that happened in it that were not, you know, a part of Superman's character. Yeah. And he was saying Superman wouldn't do this because Superman is like this. Superman's a good guy and good guys wouldn't act the way he acted in this movie. And it started to make me think like, well, when's the last time you've done the right thing always 
and forever yeah. and never made this wrong de- wrong decision. Sure. Like, w- when has that ever happened in real life? Is there a level to where you can relate to the Punisher? Is there a level to where you can relate to Wolverine? Is there a level? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, can you connect with that? Yeah. You know, I, I think that's interesting because you know, within the framework of Mark Millar, and for those who are not familiar, Mark Millar is... He's a living legend as far as comics go, but he's also a really polarizing figure. He's uh, the guy who is responsible for a lot of really major uh, pieces of, of, of comic history. Um, most notably, I would say the Ultimates, uh, the Marvel's like Ultimates. He he's the guy who 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 was originally steering that ship. Um, so a brand new universe that was appealing to a different set of people and maybe had a, a little more. Um, closeness and proximity to the real world, I guess, if that's Mm -hmm. uh, possible to Mm -hmm. make that leap. Um, And also uh, Old Man Logan. He's responsible for Old Man Logan. I loved Old Man Logan. Love Old Man Logan. And Kick-Ass. And Mm -hmm. the the book Wanted, you know, Kick-Ass and Wanted both got movie treatment. Yeah, many, 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 many more than than only those. But, you know, they have this one com- thing. The common thread is they're dark. Very right? dark. You know, they're ruthless. They are, uh, I think they, they, they kind of show this perception of, like, people just not inherently being good. Like, and there's just being, there's a lot of really nasty stuff in the world. And heroes, like, deal with that. And even the heroes are real busted up themselves as well like yeah. they're they're far from sterling and uh mm-hmm. i the the thing is is mark millar wrote about his distaste for man of steel and the way that Zack snyder depicted man of steel and superman and i feel like what that shows is it didn't line up with mark's example of what a good guy is his very specific example. And that's one of the troubles. You mean through his work? Through his work, yeah. And, and I feel like that's, that's uh, his work and also his, his expectations based on the history of the character Superman. And I think that's one of the interesting conflicts that's available within comics as an industry because these characters have been around for a really long time in most scenarios. And they've been told and retold over and over and over again. So some things are like, you know, cast in stone. Like, this is just the way he always is. And then when somebody rocks a boat a little bit, then people start wondering like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why would Batman act that way? When Frank Miller was writing Dark Knight, you know, we had no... Perspective into Batman being such a such a dark person, uh, yeah. And when you upset the history of something, the expectations of someone you've come to love and someone that you think you know, then you you know I think you you try to protect that a little bit. And it felt a little dubious to me that Mark Millar would say, hey, you know what? I think comics are uh, getting a little too dark right now. Because I, I feel as though Mark Millar has been one of the people who is really leading that, that creative charge. And it puts me off, personally. Like His, his level of angst and, and, and sadness and sorrow and violence and, and uh, uh, depravity is, is more than I can handle as a fan. And so for him to call out somebody else on that felt like, whoa, hold up. Like you, you basically are littering all over the place. And then you just shouted at somebody for littering. 
Right. Like how Yeah. I and I understand that he has his own personal breaking point, but if it, it yeah. feels a little disingenuous. For me it felt a little disingenuous because uh that blog post seemed like it was an advertisement for his upcoming book image book, which is called Huck. And that's right. where I have a difficult time understanding where he's coming from. And I do have a little bit of faith in the man. Obviously, he's a consummate professional, and he's very talented. And you tell me, and I trust your opinion, you tell me that Huck is not only quality, but is very uplifting. Yeah, Huck is very uplifting. And it's, well, I mean, we'll see where it goes. Um, but you also know that I tell you that I'm sick of Superman, and Superman gets on my nerves. Yeah. Because Superman is hard for me to relate to Superman is this character and what he puts on is just do the right thing. It's easy. All you got to do is just do whatever, but he has something that (laughs) I think I just created. That's that's I'm going to call, um, God privilege. Okay. You know, go on. So God privilege now we're talking, we're not talking about God, like the real God, if you believe in God. What I'm talking about is you have the privilege of being able to go, I'm super strong, I'm super fast, I'm indestructible, Yeah, I can fly, I have ice cold breath, I have heat vision. I do it I, all. I have, I have all this stuff. You can't beat me. You can't punch me. I have the privilege of being able to, quote, do the right thing because who's going to stop me? Who can hurt me? What are you going to do to me? It's you're almost you're disconnected from the reality of what everybody else is living in. I have to contest that because the Superman would not have endured as a character if he did not face challenges. The problem is, is he faces challenges that are far outside of our scope of understanding as far as, far as a normal struggle goes. I mean, how many times, honestly, has Lex Luthor said, oops, got kryptonite again, and actually posed a problem for Superman? Lex Luthor is a bald dude. He's just a normal-ass okay. guy, and he gives... Uh, Superman some problems. So, you know, clearly he's got struggles of his own. They just happen to, they differ in severity than, than something that you and I would have to, or something that well, sure, ma- sure, sure. Batman has, would have to. But I guess what I'm saying is, is why, why I'm able to connect with Batman, for example, and we're looking at, like, for example, Batman versus Superman. And if you've read some of the comics, you understand that one of the biggest beefs that Batman and Superman have is method of operation. You know, Superman goes, hey, you can't do that. Sure. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to do it this way. This is the right way to do it. You know, this is what good guys do. Batman goes, first of all, kick rocks, number one, because <laughs> you're not human. You don't know what it's like to be here. You've yeah. never lived the real life before. You are totally disconnected from what's really going on here. Yeah. Again, you have God privilege. You have the privilege of being able to go, it's easy. Just do this. Sure. And Batman's like, what are you talking about? Like, what, what, what? planet do you live on where all you have to do is swoop in and punch a guy in the face Krypton. like you you can't like that's not how this world works and i think that's what i'm saying about um why superman as a character kind of turns me off because i can't really relate to him you know what i mean yeah like from what i've read and from what i've seen and when i actually saw them put superman in a situation in the movie where it's like yo stop Never. Uh-huh. It's like, okay, now what do you do when you can't God your way out of this? 
You know, you can't ice breath out of it. You can't heat vision out of it. You can't super strength, da 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 and keep to your Boy Scout morals. Sure. Now what do you do? Sure. That's good storytelling. So if you're going to do something and change the character for the sake of being able to create a relatable scenario, because I'm like, yo, he's stuck. Yeah. You know, like you're going to let this guy kill everybody or you're going to kill him. That's more like what real life sounds like. You're stuck between a terrible decision and a horrible decision. Yeah. What are you going to do? You know? So I think, and I think, go ahead, no, finish your thought. No. And I was going to say when it comes to, you know, us looking at good guys versus bad guys as you're telling stories, when you start to be able to bring in some more relatable circumstances and start to be able to look at people that goes, I can relate to that because doing the right thing is hard. Yeah. Doing the right thing is difficult. And I don't do the right thing sometimes. But am I a bad guy now? Yeah, Because I think it's dangerous to define good guys and bad guys by always and forever doing the right thing every single time. Because if that's the case, nobody's a good guy. So we got to be able to measure this a little differently. And we have to be able to, at least for my preference, tell stories in a way that are going to allow them to be a little more relatable and a little more reflective of what's going on here on earth. Cause even as I was saying, God privilege, there's a level to where it's hard not to draw that conclusion to white privilege and kind of go, yeah, but you don't understand. Yeah. Yeah. You're telling me to do this, but you're a freaking God. You don't, you don't get what it's like to be here. You know, like you can kind of go, Oh, well if I was, you know, I wear glasses and I put a suit on, I work a daily planet. No, but you're not human though. Like <laughs> you really don't understand what this is like. You know what I mean? But that doesn't stop the fact that maybe some of the things that he's saying are more, more morally correct than the others. So I just think that good guy and bad guy is not such a straight black and white line. There's a lot more gray that I, would, that I like when writers start to flesh out. Would you say, would you say that it's, it's fair to assume that no, no character, no superhero is absolute good or absolute bad um i would say that (laughs) so look at it this way i would say the measurement for good is perfection okay and i would say that nobody is perfect so as a result one of the sayings that i say is we're all bad guys and i'm it's really 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 super simplified but i think it's like um, a jab of humility into the teeth okay. and go, are you perfect? Well, you're a bad guy, you know? So, and I talked about this with my cousins and my little nieces and nephews and kind of go, well, Batman's a good guy. Okay. So is breaking someone's arm good? Well, well, you, well, you know, it's like, okay, I want you to start wrestling with this. Cause what happens when you break somebody's arm? Yeah. Are you a bad guy now? What if you knock somebody's teeth out? What if you do that thing that you said you would never do, but you did it? Because it's going to happen, niece, nephew, cousin. Sure. It's going to happen. Are you a bad guy now? Everything is, defined, you know everything is defined by the context that surrounds the action, right? So yeah. it's like, look, are you, are you a good guy if you break somebody's arm? Well, the context is significant here. And I think having a frame of reference is significant. What was that person about to do? What, what was the drive that brought you to your actions? You know, how, mm-hmm. how are you interpreting this situation? Did you jump to conclusions? Maybe you thought you were stopping an armed robbery, but somebody was just, okay, 
Maybe you shot somebody right. who thought you thought was pulling a gun on you. Mm-hmm. That sounds familiar. Right. And it's like the the situation is significant. The context is significant. And I think the, the ability... And the perspective is significant Perspective well. is, is significant. And the ability to, to immediately, I think, show curiosity for what was taking place in the circumstance, whatever their circumstances were, and understanding them from multiple, multiple perspectives is the only way that you can judge whether or not somebody's being a good guy or a bad guy. And I, you know, one of the things that I, I would like to see, and I think you would as well... In comics is maybe uh, scenarios that are taking place that are are smaller and more nuanced, more complicated. Because it's one mm. thing to say, like, okay, uh, Superman recognizes that Doomsday is coming down to Earth and he's going to wreck shit. And so he stops him. I'm like, all right, cut and right. dry. That's pretty cut and dry, ain't it? Yeah, but, do the right thing. But, like, what what's happening on the day-to-day? Like, w- yeah. will he give up his secret identity to preserve somebody else? Like, right. you know, what's it worth? And if he gives up his secret identity, is he possibly gambling his, his safety and his ability to save people tomorrow, but he wants to yeah. save somebody now, you know, what's it worth? Yeah. There's this book that says, uh, why hasn't Batman killed the Joker yet? Interesting. What, do, and it's kind of, is there an answer right. to that? Well, I didn't read the whole book, but I was like, I think I can, you know, on, on, um, iBooks, you can kind of read the forward of something. I think it's like Batman psychology or something like that. And it was kind of making an argument how Batman is a terrible crime fighter because he hasn't killed the Joker yet. And it's kind of like, Ooh, Ooh, like, I don't know that I can agree or disagree with you because it's like, if there's a speeding locomotive coming and killing thousands of like let's say five people let's say you slow the locomotive down and you move the people down a hundred feet the locomotive's still coming Mm. stop the locomotive stop it you know Mm. and it's kind of like but do you have the right to stop it and it's like who's a what's the good guy thing to do and like I, i like that because that's my life more realistically okay it's not the i swooped in i stopped the train the end dun, da, 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 whew, yeah, when i fly so away simple. it's like yeah it's like in life it's kind of like but the funny thing to joker is batman you're just as crazy as me the difference is i know i'm crazy you think you're not that's the joke yeah. The joke that's what's so funny to me. You think you're sane. You're you're out of your freaking mind. You are a billionaire. You dress up like a bat. You beat people within an inch of their life every night and I'm the bat. I'm crazy. Yeah. I'm the crazy one. Yeah. You and the only difference between me and you is you don't kill anybody. I at least you know what I mean, at least I'm owning mine and it's kind of like when you start to look at it like that, it's like we're all bad guys, but at the end of the day, I think we're also capable of doing good things. Yes. But it's not this cut and dry thing. And I think from my experience, my life, my convictions, when you start to make perfection the only acceptable standard with no grace, no mercy. Now, we can strive for success, perfection, and elite. We can strive for morality. Striving is good. Yeah. But at the same time, I think it's also important to understand that grace is necessary. Grace is giving people what they don't deserve. Mm-hmm. 
You know what I mean? If you deserve bad, but I give you good anyway. Mercy is not giving people what they do deserve. Mm. It's like you deserve to be punished, but I'm not going to punish you. You know what I mean? So I think functioning in more of the reality of nobody's perfect. Yeah. So if perfection is what makes you good, there's a level to where you got to understand humility says nobody's good. But then there's another level that says just because you're not perfect doesn't mean you're worthless. Sure. You know, because you're going to do bad things. I'm telling you, Internet and anyone else who's listening, you're going to do something that you said you'd never do. And if you define yourself as I'm a horrible person now, I'm I'm gone off the deep end. I'm the joker now. It's like, yeah. Really? Yeah. I don't know if I agree with that. You know? Yeah. Well, that's the thing is I think I think there is no such thing as 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 absolute. And I think the 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 measurement of good or bad is is based on what you do, what you believe, and how hard you try to you know be good to yourself and good to other people, knowing that you you just can't be perfect, like you said, no one's perfect, right so like how how much are you willing to put into the pursuit of it, even though you know that it's a a pursuit that you will never cease to finish you, you'll never finish it you know mm-hmm. you just like you do the things that you are capable of doing when you can and with your full ability with your full conviction and i yeah. i just don't think you can ask anything more of that and it, you know it, absolutely outside of the joking context but also not unpredictably that's part of the reason why i like man thing so much because on, <laughs> on the real, let's let's be let's be real here. A man thing. Uh-huh. Man you got to give me some man thing to read because I, I I feel like I'm out of the loop. I'll, everybody is. Uh, that's why I like I occupy this space, and uh, that's okay. There <laughs> there are few of us. Uh, part of the reason why I love Man Thing, a Marvel character made in the 1970s, came in the heyday of horror comics. The uh, comic. Uh, uh, authority like the the comic code was being lifted so like there are or was being put into place so um people could do like rated r stuff and then it would be labeled as such but you could get away with it because it was labeled as such it was okay and so you you have a lot of horror comic comics coming out a lot of like ghoulish stuff a lot of monsters man thing comes out in i don't know 71 and is a scientist who's super smart and he's trying to recreate the super soldier serum that made Captain America, his, uh, then wife, they just got married, betrays him and tries to steal the serum that he invents. He runs away, injects himself with it, turns into a swamp monster. You know what the first thing he did was, is he, uh, he loses his mind. He turns into a monster. So at this point we're like, okay, he's not, Ted Salas, the scientist anymore. He's just a monster. He's a living monster. He, uh, he, he basically, he attacks his girlfriend or not his girlfriend, his, his wife, Ellen Brandt. And he touches her face and burns her face off or at least half of it. And that's gnarly. And you know, it's to say like, he was not in his mind. He's not himself, but it's like, what is this in in the context of it being written in the seventies? The idea was just supposed to be, man, that's scary. That's it. That was all. 
It was, I, mm-hmm. I don't believe it was more thorough than that. Len Wein is the guy who was writing this at the time. And it was just supposed to be like, man, that's scary. And he, man thing, the character goes on to live this really long, but really complicated character history. A lot of different characters or, uh, writers and creative teams and illustrators don't know what to do with them and turn them into different things. In my mind, as a fan of this character, he is a good Good guy. He's a good character. Okay. He's a superhero. He's just not your t- traditional superhero, and it, it really works in my brain. I have to exercise. There's apologetics I was talking about not that long ago, last time we talked, I think, uh-huh. of like coming okay. up with justifications for these, these actions and figuring out what makes Man-Thing a good guy. He can't speak. He's got no mouth. He can't express himself. He shambles around. He looks like a monster. He acts like a monster. Sometimes he does things that he probably shouldn't do. Like he burned his wife's face off. Like yeah, if you burn your wife's face off, you probably not win. I feel like you're not winning, but like, how is it that he balances the scales? And for me, that's a complicated, uh, that's a complicated ask. I have to sort out like what makes him on the good team. Why is it mm-hmm. that the Avengers every once in a while like bump into him and they're like, oh, man thing. Okay, you're cool. You're cool. You know, but they, they don't treat him differently. What is it that, that earns him that appraisal? And I, I think that's, it's interesting for me because that is not cut and dry. That is not Superman go fight the bad alien because he's a bad alien. Come on. That's what you do. Right. It's an opportunity for me to kind of like sit and soak this character's actions and figure out like what makes him worth it what makes him noble and when he's not being noble is it easy for me to say oh he's a monster i mean of course he's just gonna act that way or do i need to think a little harder about it and that's one of the reasons that i love this character when he's really written well when steve gerber used to write him in like the 70s and 80s i loved that because it just wasn't easy it wasn't straightforward it was cheesy and it was like horror comics how it is what it is there are a lot of reasons why i love this character it's very complicated i'll save it for another episode but (laughs) one of the things that i love about him is man nothing's easy with this guy yeah it's not cut and dry and i think as a medium comic books and superheroes um and beyond that doesn't have to be superheroes they can be way more mundane stories than that uh, have an opportunity. Storytelling in general, I guess. Yeah, storytelling in general. Sequential storytelling uh, has an opportunity to kind of like, you know, take a look at somebody and, and force you to ask, like, what do you think of this? How do you feel yeah. about this? It's yeah. because it's not obvious. Right. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really like The Walking Dead. Mm. Because The Walking Dead puts people in situations where when it hits the fan, who are you then? Because see, yeah. I, I'm going to tell you, it's really easy to be a good guy, g- quote, good guy. And really what that means is the cultural norms for whatever culture you're in equate this is good and this is bad. This is sacred. This is secular. This is the light. This is the dark. The, the light and the dark side, right? Yeah. But it, it's kind of when things are sterile and clean and smooth and you and your girlfriend are getting along and you and your wife love each other and the kids are acting right and the, all the bills are paid and da, da 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 yeah man can you turn the tv down sure babe that's easy no problem that's easy L- let that bill not get paid can you turn the tv down well you, why you got it you don't got to be in here 
You know what I mean? It's a whole different <laughs> conversation there. And you see, I'm in here watching this TV show. Why don't you go in the other room? Turn your voice down. You know, huh? How about that? Yeah. Why? First of all, why are you yelling while I'm watching this show? And you know what? The truth of the matter is when it hits the fan, you are different. Who are you then? Yeah. That's who we really know who you are. Sure. When you're tight, when you're struggling, like I said, you have a horrible th- decision and a terrible decision to choose from. Yeah. What do you do then? And when The Walking Dead, when I started reading The Walking Dead, it did a great job of creating those stakes where you're like, oh, my gosh, there's no good decision. What would I do if I was Rick, if I was Shane? And if you look at it, Shane thinks he's a good guy. Rick, you can't keep these people safe. Rick thinks he's a good guy. Shane, you're wildin'. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, Like everybody thinks they're the good guy. And that just makes for good storytelling. And I also think it says something to us that is very hard for us to say. And I think maybe this is the big point that at least I can say. I don't know if I have a full conclusion, but there's nobody good. You know, yeah. good in the good, good in the sense. Don't, don't, don't misunderstand me here. Good in the sense of perfection. And I think that what that is, is humility. That's seeing yourself rightly accurately appropriately someone telling you you did something wrong and you're not surprised you know someone telling you you could have done something better or you made a bad move that was a bad decision and you're not like it's like yeah i mean that's a possibility because you know i do the wrong thing sometimes now i would say the language is significant because maybe the question is are you it's is not are you good but the question actually is have you done enough like, have you done good versus have you done enough? What's that mean? I mean, like, have you done what is in your capacity to do based on what you believe? Have you done that? Have you, have, mm-hmm. have you acted on what you believe to your fullest ability? And so maybe that's not, it's, it's not a question of like, have you done good? It's, have you done enough? Have you applied yourself in the way that you believe you should? Well, I guess I guess the, the, a different way of looking at it, I guess what you're saying, because I think all these are different categories. You know what I mean? And like, I think what you're saying is valid in a, in, in a separate category than kind of how I'm defining it. Like when you say, did you do your best? Yeah. That's one way to look at it. But your best does not equate success necessarily. That's true. You know, the, the two things don't have to just because for example if you ran your hardest you don't get a gold medal you you get a gold medal if you win sure. you know so, so it's not like well i did my best it's like i don't that don't mean you you know what i mean like so um because and i guess I, what i'm saying is and this is what i'm walking away from store these stories with these are the things that i'm reflecting with it's kind of like Everyone wants to see themselves as the good guy. Yeah. But I think humility, which is seeing yourself rightly, is, man, actually, there are times when I'm a bad guy, even when I mean well, even when I intend to do good. Sure. You know, I can make a wrong move here, but that doesn't mean I'm all bad. What's the appropriate step you know? from that after that realization? In what sense? What do you mean? I mean, like you say, okay, sometimes I'm the bad guy. What do, you, what do you think is the, the most noble response to that? Because in my mind, I feel like the, the, the only way to respond to that, if you're a good guy, is to say, I need to assess what caused me to be a bad guy that one time, and I'm going to try to not do that again. 
Well, you know, you have your Alfreds, you have your Jiminy Cricket characters, you have your Tinkerbells. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have those, yeah, you, you have d- those characters d- 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 that the go. The guide, right? The person who's like that go, helping you along. Y- hey, Master Bruce, uh, you're being kind of hard on Damien. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And he's kind of like, well, I'm doing the best I can. And Alfred doesn't go, oh, well, you're doing the best you can. So he's going, I know you didn't have a father, Bruce, but come on. Yeah. You know? Yeah, sure. So there's a level to where it's important to have a community of people around you that can go, yo, you're wilding. And also to open yourself up to be able to hear and listen and go, am I wilding? It's like, yeah, yeah, you are you wilding, you know, like and be able to be self-aware and assess yourself yeah. and have other people to help assess you. Because I think step one is I'm not perfect. Great. We're getting somewhere. Sure. Step two is, can you point out some areas where I could do better? Yes. You know what I mean? Now we can start to be able to build a relationship. Because I would hope, Adam, if you're telling me, yo, man, we get off the show and you're like, yo, I think you're a little aggressive. I'm not going to be like, Adam, I'm punching in the mouth when I see you. Like, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll avoid be- you for like next couple of weeks. You're like, yo, man, how come we haven't done Junto in a little while? I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm busy. I'm busy. I just don't no, want to see. I don't want to get popped. Yeah. But, you know, like you, that's my hope is that self-awareness and continuing to try to grow, develop. So not letting, not letting a lack of perfection be like the end of it. I'm not perfect. So I quit. It's like, okay, you know, you're not perfect. No one is. So let's stop letting that be the, you know, the only option. And now let's start pursuing that yes continuing to grow and understand because what happens is this this is my perspective and i'm gonna shut up after this because we've been going on this for a while (laughs) (laughs) when you think you're perfect what's your standard for everybody else perfection you can't understand i don't understand why you're not perfect like me yeah why don't you just do the right thing like me why aren't you more like me adam i mean i'm perfect why aren't you perfect i don't get it yeah so you 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 see yourself wrongly. You, what does that sound like? An arrogant jerk. It's, it doesn't it's, sound like it's humility. an unrealistic expectation, right? So what do you hold other people to? An unre- unrealistic expectation. Same, same. But when you start tripping, wilding, messing up, people start pointing out and going, "Yo, you're tripping, you're wilding, you're messing up." But they love you anyway. They give you grace. They give you mercy. They're still your friend. You start to feel that love and you're like, dang, yo, I'm really a mess, but you love me anyway. What do you start to do? Love people anyway. Yeah. You start to see people's mess. You're tripping, you're wilding, but I love you anyway. And then that starts to create a relationship with other people. You know what I mean? It starts to create a, a culture of that. I like, I like what you're positioning there because it's, it's, it has a an awareness. It's not good guy or bad guys. It's not one or the other. No, it's like we're all bad guys. So let's let's understand that to be true, and let's function as such. Let's strive for this goal, but let's extend grace and mercy. Because if I if if I see that I need it, won't I be? And you give it to me, won't I be more inclined to give it to someone else and they see it? But if I see myself as perfect, why am I going to give you grace or mercy? Because I don't need it. Yeah. I like I like the you know? I like the awareness to to the ripple effect that you create and and saying, you know, what based on the actions that I'm taking, what am I going to create for somebody else? And in the case of a superhero, you, you got a caped crusader who might be thinking, uh, based on what I do, how am I going to inspire someone to act? 
to an impossible yeah. standard, to treat someone poorly, to also hold other people to impossible st- impossible standards, or to you know like appreciate people regardless of of what's going on, right? And that's I'm I'm very interested in that that forethought for what you create, the impact that you leave. That's wider than yourself, like the way that your actions radiate outside of yourself. I think that's very significant. And then there's mm-hmm. you know, hands down, hands down, as far as comics go, my favorite example of the paradigm of good versus bad being torn apart, blown to pieces, and reassembled for you to figure out is in Watchmen, in Alan Moore's Watchmen. And mm-hmm. if if you're familiar with it, uh, I won't spoil the ending, even though it was written and published in 1986. <laughs> Get with it. It's all good, though. It's all good. Uh, but it's okay. You still have time. It's dense. I understand. But Very the, dense. The, the, something that I refer to is the, the, the Veidt principle. Adrian Veidt is Ozymandias. Uh, and the actions that Adrian Veidt takes to save the world are severe. And they are controversial. And what he does is take the paradigm of good versus bad, and completely explode it and ask you, what is it worth? Similar to Punisher, like, by any means necessary, I will yeah. see justice. He explodes that in, in the biggest, most, like, earth-shattering way. And it was one of the first times that I think I ever really realized that your know, comics as a medium, uh, it, it, it's literature, it's culture, it's, it's commentary on, oh, it's on definitely, people, yeah. on, on behavior, on who we are and who we think we deserve to be and who we can be. And like, I, I mean, Alan Moore, there's a lot of questionable stuff about Alan Moore, but that was, that was a moment, of, that was an epiphany for me. And uh, the, the, the fact that the dialogue opened up, I think, is important. That door opened up for me to have a conversation with you about that, yeah. that paradigm. Um, if you have not read Watchmen, read Watchmen. Uh, it's thick. It is thick. The final two chapters are some real mind-bending stuff. And uh, if, if, if it does not inspire you to look into yourself and ask yourself a few questions, um, give yourself a little more time and try to digest that. Because that's... Man, I had to sit with that for a long time. And then Man of Steel, Zack Snyder, came in and trashed it. Put it on the silver screen and he trashed it. <laughs> Come on. Oh, Jeez, man. Louise. You know who's All bad? Let me, let me just put somebody who's bad. Zack Snyder. He's bad. He's a bad guy. He's he bad. Yeah. <laughs> Zack Snyder's a bad guy? Sorry, Zack. There's grace for you, Zack. We're all bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, let's round this out uh, and talk about our pool list, huh? All right, let's do it. You you pick, did you pick up first? some comics today? Um, I got some. <clears throat> I got some digital. Okay. I read a few. Here's a question. Um, How do you decide yeah. what you're going to pick up digital versus uh, in paper? All right. So here's what I do. Basically, um, I have a little thing in my mind that still thinks comics are going to be worth some money. I just don't, you know, I know it's not true. <laughs> Ignore that. It's just Ignore like, that. it's a, it's a habit. I just can't, <laughs> it's built in. It's like, Ooh, a number one. It's like, no, it doesn't work like that. Yeah, anymore. Okay. It's not like that. I understand. You know? Yes. So there's some things that, um, I used to just buy, 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 buy all the time. And then I have a stack in the corner and long boxes. And my wife is just like, what is this? 
Like, what are we, what are we doing with this? You know, like, where is this going? How do we, is this worth any money? And it was like, no. And she's like, so I don't understand. I don't understand what we're doing with this, you know? So, um, there are some things that I want to have. A lot of those things are Batman related, you know? Yeah. And there are some things that I don't really need issue 27 of yada, 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 physical, you know? Sure. So what we talked about a while ago is the fun thing about comic books is sharing them. Yes. So I'm not going to share my one through 15 or my quarter of the aisles individual issues with somebody. No, sir. You not I'm not giving that to you. <laughs> I know you, you kind of like popped off a little bit when you saw that on my rack here at Indy Hall. <laughs> You're like, yes. Just, I was yo, like, what is, the, just, what, uh, what are you doing? Batman number one, new 52 Batman number one. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. know. You're I like, guess... yeah, I brought it in the share, and I just my eyes were big. I was like, oh, oh okay. <laughs> I got a devil may care attitude, man. <laughs> I don't care. Uh, but anyway, so here's what I do. Um, I've decided that my, my grandpa back in the day, he's still you know in his house. He had this huge wall of books, and I remember I was a little kid, and I used to look up at the wall like a wall. It was a wall, you know, like. It, whatever. I'd be like, yo, Grandpa, did you read all these books? He goes, well, son, I read most of them. And I was like, dang, this is a lot of books. Yeah. So I want to create a similar wall of graphic novels. Okay. So it makes no sense for me to have a bunch of individuals because then I can actually lend it to someone. I can give someone a hardcover book. It's easier to store and make it look nice. So if there's a story I want to keep up with, I'll buy it digital. If there's something I want physically, I'll grab it. And if it's a really, really good story, I'll buy the hardcover and then I'll put it in the, you know, put it in the library. Yeah, I understand that. So that's how I decide. Okay, so what'd you pick up this week? Um, so, so far, I should say. So far. So I got um, Paper Girls. Yes. Number four. Yes. Paper Girls number four. Oof. Really enjoying that. Did you read that yet? Yeah, uh, I haven't read number four, but number three, really Oh, my God. That, that had me. Really interested in seeing where this is going. I read that already. Um, you know, I just want to see where it's going. It's like really interesting, really interesting characters. It's primarily girls. Um, I don't know where they're going. I don't know where they're going to take me. But, but either way, I, I, I feel like, we, you know, we have, we have to agree. Brian K. Vaughn has a way with words. The, the dialogue in Paper Girls and, and everything that he writes just feels like I've I've heard people say these things. These these are people. They yes. speak like yes. people. I've heard people say that there's actually something that is said in, in issue number four that made me go, oop, you know, like, what? Did she just say that? You know, because there's, there's something about a character that reveals something about themselves. Yep. And what how one of the characters responds made me go, oh, my gosh, he wrote that. But that's something that someone would really say. That's a knee-jerk response. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah, there are it, things that people say and the other person will call them out. And I'm like, okay, I see that this is, again, you know, like I told you, I don't like sterile characters. Yeah. The right thing to say is this, because you know me, Adam, that ain't me. No, you want real. I'm going to say the wrong. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Paper Girls, number four. Mm -hmm. Doctor Strange, number four. Yes. Um, speaking of Doctor Strange, Cumberpatch looks good. Yes, he does. Yeah, he looks very, very, very much like Doctor Strange. It's a little creepy. Yes. Yep. Um, Doctor Strange number four. Deadpool number five. I'm just a fan of Deadpool. Like I told you, told you that before. You're not a big Deadpool fan. That's all right. My, I'm, I got respect. 
Bitch Planet number six. Yes. I have to catch up with Bitch Planet because I, th- I, 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 this is again one of those situations where it's like, because see, here's the thing. If you're new to comics or if you're coming back to comics, here's what you'll find yourself doing. You'll buy issue one, read it. Issue two, read it. Don't read issue three, but you'll get it. Issue four. Yeah. Five. You stack them up. Six. You stack them up. And then you don't read them, and then you're kind of like, dang, I got to get back to these. So that's kind of where I'm at with Bitch Planet. Sure. Um, so, and last thing is Totally Awesome Hulk. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's cool. number two. How do, you, I, how do you feel about it? It's fun. It's fun. I, I'm not like super wow, I'm really deep into the story and I'm really being moved by it. It's kind of fun. Oh, and uh, Deadpool and Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, just, Deadpool and Spidey, their team-up book. That's fun. You know, those, those two guys. I read that one already today. Yeah. Those two guys just kind of going back and forth. Like It's kind of like not liking each other but dealing with each other. I like that. Spider-Man cannot stand Deadpool, but Deadpool's like, yo, man, I'm just trying to be friends. <laughs> I do. Can, we, you can know, we chill? That's one of the things that I do like about Spidey is just like the, his, his, his ability to partner up with people and annoy the hell out of people is very entertaining to me. And when he gets partnered up with Deadpool and Deadpool Can't does that to him, him, he's just like, oh, my God. Is this what I sound like? <laughs> It's so funny because you can tell that Deadpool looks up to Spider-Man. <laughs> you know, he wants to be buzz with Spider-Man. And, you know, again, we go back to the good guy versus bad guy. The issue is that Spider-Man sees Deadpool kind of like a bad guy. Yeah, understandably and so. And Deadpool's, Deadpool's like, I mean, I'm not perfect, but dang. Yeah. I'm trying over here. <laughs> and, and that, again, is the standard. The standard for good guy, goodness, in, in Spidey's eyes is me or people like me. And I think... Even in this story, there's a situation where Spider-Man is kind of salty about Deadpool being a part of the, you know, I think he's a part of the Avengers. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's kind of like you shouldn't be there and, you know, the way you've done things in the past. And there's a part in this comic where, where Deadpool is kind of like, yo, man, I mean, I wanted to hang with you because I figured, you know, I could kind of like earn being a good guy. And it's like, how many times like if you kind of extrapolate that to real life, there's that guy that you're like, man, he's not. Yada, yada, yada. Maybe he's changed. Maybe he's trying to change. Are you giving him a chance? Sure. Or are you just branded your Deadpool forever? Yeah. Yeah. You know? So that's my pull list. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. You know, we, you and I picked up a lot of the same books, actually, this week. So I may as well rattle off the ones that we've already gone through. I, I also picked up Paper Girls, number four which I'm very excited about. And I, I have a lot to say about Brian K. Vaughan because I'm enamored of him but uh also the the artist um shang on this book i just think he's one of the best artists cliff shang is incredible and uh i'm everything about this book makes me excited when i see it on the rack i feel like this is a good week this is a good speaking of paper girls oh never mind i'm sorry that was something else never mind go ahead okay that's okay uh i did pick up bitch planet number six which again that this is huge to me because Bitch Planet, they're, they're taking their time. Kelly Sue DeConnick takes her time on this book. It takes a long time. And uh, I, I love this book so much. I think it's so cool. One of the first, uh, I, I think it was the first week that I picked this up, I met two women at a wedding for a mutual friend. And both women had a non-compliant tattoo. And, like, both of them had picked up the Bitch Planet hmm. book and immediately 
that resonated. Like that idea of like, I'm non-compliant and I am very proud hmm. of it. And I, I thought like, this is a, this is a, this is important. This is something that speaks to people and that's important to me. And I think it's such yeah. an out there book. I enjoy it so much. And I, I enjoy the supplementary material in the back, the essays, the letters. I mean, all that stuff, just that, that, that world is so important to me and the fandom and the way that people have gratitude for it is real cool. Um, I got to catch up with that. Dude. That's making me, I think that's going to be my homework to catch up on. That. I, I, you will not regret it. You, you will be very that happy. And, that and do some man thing research with uh, Marvel. And <laughs> okay. You might regret that, that you will regret. <laughs> uh, I also, I, I picked oh, up man. Dr. Strange. I'm a, I'm behind on this one. So I was picking up Dr. Strange number three. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Jason Aaron is great. Uh, Chris Bacalo, the artist, is is great. And this is a cool run on Strange. I really enjoy what they're doing there. And then I picked up two other Marvel books. Uh, A-Force, number one, which I'm I'm pretty pumped about. I have to admit something to you right now. I am a She-Hulk junkie. I know this already, Adam. Okay, She-Hulk shows up on a book. I'm in. I don't care. So you put She-Hulk on the cover. I'm in. Doesn't matter. I, I She-Hulk is the best. So uh, I'm very excited about A-Force. I didn't keep up with it all the way through Secret Wars. So uh, I'm excited to see where this goes with the new number one. And I also picked up with what might be my new favorite Marvel comic, which is The Vision. Um, so in the back of the... Um, you got it for free, party. right? Yeah. Number uh, one is back there. It's it's a treasure. I'm excited for you to read it if you have not already. I, I read I read number one in the back of the the book. Yeah, and it's like okay, I don't fully understand what's going on, but you know I'm sure it'll unfold un, unfold some more. I was yeah, yeah, give it give it some time. I I would say I know this is this is maybe outlandishly high praise, but not since Alan Moore wrote uh, Saga of the Swamp Thing have I been have I like read someone's writing like this, like this quality of like poetic narration. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, something I really love, and maybe this is the man thing fan in me. I'm sure it is. But, uh, the, the, the amount of exposition and narration that's in there, like there's a lot of scene setting and telling a story outside right. of dialogue. And I have an appreciation for that. And, uh, I think Tom King, the, 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 the guy who's writing this book, just does a, a spectacular job, namely because it is so different from anything else Marvel's putting out right now. I'm just, I'm so into it. I'm very into it. And it only gets better, so I'm, I'm psyched. That's okay, at the top cool. of my list. Word. That's my pool list. That's it. There it is. Yes, sir. So what do we got next, Adam? This is the end of, the, of episode two. Yes. We have. Uh, what are we gonna do next? You know, we, you and I hey, recorded. Hateful Eight. We, yeah, we got We have to talk about Hateful Eight, so we'll do a one shot on Hateful Eight. And uh, I also want us to follow up on Star Wars. We we heap a lot of praise on Star Wars, but the truth is, is I also have a lot of uh, critique of that movie, and I want to get that stuff out of the way in a separate okay. episode, so people don't need to be bogged down by that. I don't want to. I'm not trying to kill anybody's vibe. I just feel like unless unless you want that to happen, unless you want that to happen, if you want to be a part of that conversation, then sure. Um, uh, So I want to get around to that. And, you know, the next time you and I talk, something that I would like to talk about is how it's complicated with comics in that you could do you you could be a trade waiter. You could wait for the trade paperback to come out for the collection to come Uh out. 
and you can pick up books every Wednesday. And I feel like there's a complicated relationship between those two things. Like waiting for the trade and the collection seems like it's a very good thing. Like you said, easy to share. It makes a lot right. of sense. Um, you, you can be more prudent with the things that you purchase. Save some money as well. Um, very smart. Uh, but if you're a fan... I think it's really difficult to not go to a comic book shop on a Wednesday and drop 20 bucks on a bunch of individual books. And then you got to figure out what you do with those books. It's part of the experience of reading comics is going there, seeing the things, touching the comics, seeing the covers, like, you know, just buying them digitally. That's cool. But I like to, you know... Yeah. Like if I had someone come and give me haircuts in my house, that'd be cool. But there's something about going to the barbershop. Yeah, I understand that. Yeah. And, and my, I think that's interesting because it seems like having the trade paperbacks, comics have this system where you wait and wait and wait and you don't buy the individual books. And what you're doing is you have this incentivized version. You have a better version. It's well bound and you have the full collection. Yeah. But you didn't support it while it was running. So what if it stops? And that can affect whether or not, yeah, it can affect whether it continues or not. Yeah, so that's that's interesting to me because I, I think that's a strange relationship that you don't see in a lot of other mediums. So I want to talk about that next time, but we will save that for next time. And you know what? I'm going to be one year older by the time that we talk. Uh, uh, that's it. One year older. 14, 1738. 14. I'll be 14 years old. I'm getting real excited for my permit coming up. Awesome. Yeah. Sweet 16, quinceanera coming up <laughs> soon you know, you know. I'll be with the Remy boys, 1738 squad. <laughs> right. Oh, man. All right, so tell the people where they can find you on the internet, Adam. Yeah, uh, you can hit me up on Twitter, as always, uh, at Adam Teteris, A-D-A-M-T-E-T-E-R-U-S. I'm up on uh, Instagram as well. I post a lot of pictures of man thing. Uh, so if, if you're up on that, find me, Adam Tetris. How about you, Ock? All, all things man thing. What about um, the the writing you do? Don't forget about that. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got a new Listen, every podcast, like Stan Lee said, every podcast is someone's first. Hey, Excelsior, my friend. Uh, yep. I, I, uh, I produce a newspaper. It's called The Dark Matter Sequential. It is something that I'm very proud of. I'm very excited about. Uh, I am a, a writer. I write short stories based on uh, uh, basically Wikipedia articles. Um, Not only short stories, yes. but you also write other things. Yes, but many other things, in fact. <laughs> uh, but uh, this is something that I'm, I'm very excited about. Uh, um, I produced this newspaper with a friend of mine. His name is Michael Norcross. He is an incredibly talented illustrator and designer. And uh, all of the articles in our paper are about a very odd but true natural phenomenon. Uh, it's called the Dark Matter Sequential. You can find us at www.darkmatterseq.com. Word. Um, for me, on the internet, Twitter, um, Instagram at Octavius A. Newman. That's O C T A V I U S A N E W M A N. Um, Snapchat, 
Periscope and all the rest of that stuff. It's all the same thing. Um, this <laughs> podcast <laughs> is a product of Bear Fruit. You can follow Bear Fruit on Twitter, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchats and all the rest of the uh, internet things that these kids are doing these days, you know, with their hoverboards and their... Hold up. Somebody know. just texted me right this moment. It is a picture of a receipt. The amount on the receipt says $14.38. The tip... Somebody wrote in pen. It says three dollars. The total says Fetty Wap seventeen thirty eight. <laughs> that happened right this moment. I am reporting live right now. Reporting live yeah. from Adam's uh, text message. <laughs> <laughs> so apparently seventeen thirty eight. I have been recognized by my peers as a fan. Of Fetty oh Wap. man. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That's what the people were waiting for. If you've, if you've made it this far in the podcast, you got a little something special. <laughs> there it is. That's it. Oh, man. All right. Until um, next yeah. time, man. Huh? Wait. No, hold on. Let oh, me tell you about you the You got to finish up Bear Fruit. Yeah. <laughs> at Bear Fruit. Um, at B3ARFRUIT. Same thing. The website, bearfruit.com. Sign up for the newsletter. If you like what you're hearing, go on iTunes, leave us five stars, a positive comment, subscribe, rate, review, and share this with someone who likes comics, someone who you want to start reading comics with, someone who wants to get back in comics, someone you think would appreciate this conversation, please share it. And talk to us on the internet, um, hashtag comic book junto, J-U-N-T-O. And um, what else? Oh, if you have questions, if you want to ask, uh, ask us questions that you want us to answer on the show, send an email to comicbookjunto at barefruit.com. Boom. Yes. That's, you know, I'm glad you said that because I, I would very much like to offer an invitation for a dialogue. You, you have some input? You want to talk to us about something or suggest that we talk about something? Yes. Let's do that. Word. All right. Now I'm done. Okay. Until next time. Uh, you and I are going to get together next week. We're going to talk on Wednesday. So join us for that. And uh, that's it. All right. Peace. Later. Later.